Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen Podcast with Allison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea living on a newly created family farm in Northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Morning, Allison. Hi, Andrea. How are you? Good. I always say morning, and Jacob was reminding me today. It's afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> it's her it's afternoon. afternoon. Here. So yes. it's not just Allison and I here today. We have a guest. So excited to have Holistic Hilda on. Hello, Hilda. Hey, thank you for having me. It is our honor it's and wonderful. our privilege. So, Hilda is. Uh, if you're listening to the Ancestral Kitchen podcast, you probably already know who she is. <laughs> she is the incredible host and presenter on the Wise Traditions podcast. She is a Weston A. Price Foundation chapter leader in Washington, D.C. She's a mom. And her podcast, the Wise Tradition podcast, has been around since January 2016. There's over 350 incredible episodes on there Hilda you've interviewed everybody like (laughs) you think of the name and you know alternative ag or something she's talked to them of course there's tons of interviews of Sally Fallon Morel on there and your podcast has been a huge inspiration to me personally whenever Mm -hmm. people come to me um, and say where do I begin I always send them over there because you have so many great resources on there so I'm really really grateful to you for creating that um, you know incredible resource that we can all tap into anywhere in the world thank you so much it has been such a pleasure I mean and if it weren't for that podcast we wouldn't even be connecting right now yeah. so I'm so grateful right? for it I, it's hard to imagine I actually used to live over by you um, ah. in Virginia but now I'm over in Washington state. <laughs> oh, the other Washington. <laughs> yep. The other Washington. Once you cross over the uh, continental divide, you have to specify which Washington you're from. <laughs> yeah. That, that really confused me at the beginning. I was like, Washington and Washington, what's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Allison's over in Italy. So we're all coming in from different time zones. So we always start out our podcast, Hilda, by asking, what's the last meal you ate before you hopped on to record? It was dinner last night. You know, I don't always eat breakfast. It depends. I try to listen to my body and I understand from my podcast and interviews with people like Marisa Moon and others that fasting is good for us. Um, as women, we need to be careful not to overdo it, especially if our kids are little and we're nursing and you know we've got a lot going on. We want to make sure we have the resources for energy. But I find that I have better cognitive function and even energy by fasting in the morning. So my last meal was dinner and it was actually just a little concoction I put together at the last minute. I got some farm fresh sausage and I cooked Ooh. it up with some uh, tomato sauce and cheese and put it over a organic sourdough tortilla so it was it was kind of like a meatball sub but in a tortilla because I'm Latina so that's how I ran and that's what I did with it oh that sounds so good it really was good (laughs) where where are you getting your sausage from over in DC well I actually do get some from Sally's farm and then I'm also have you guys heard of a group called farmmatch.com 
Hmm. It doesn't sound familiar. Is that a well, dating app? <laughs> yes. I, I joke that it's like Tinder for farms, but what you do is you go to farmmatch.com, you fill out your information on what kind of food you want, and then it literally shows you what farms deliver those foods to your area. Wow. So oh I found a farm through Farm Match, and it's in Pennsylvania. It's run by an Amish farmer. And so we pick up our eggs, a lot of our meat and our milk, our raw milk and stuff from this drop-off point. It's amazing. And we've been doing it for over 10 years and we're just thrilled. So just picture, we're in the nation's capital. Um, so we're in a, a city, a very well-known city, but we're, we, you wouldn't think we'd get access to farm food, but indeed we do through that, through farmer's markets and other connections. That's amazing. I know I've been to at least one amazing farmer's market in DC and I was just in heaven walking around and looking at all the Um, produce and the beautiful flowers everyone had. It might've been the one in my neighborhood, DuPont Circle. Was it the DuPont Circle? I think so. Yes. Yeah, I think it was. It's Uh, a nice one. It's a nice one. Maybe I walked right by you. (laughs) (laughs) So Allison, I'm going to kick it over to you now. I know you've You've yeah. got some questions as I do too. So I'm going to, I'm going to let Alison start off the questions for you, Hilda. Thanks. Okay. I wanted to ask a general question at the beginning because Wise Traditions is a podcast of the Western A. Price Foundation. And for those who perhaps don't know about it or don't know much about it, could you tell us briefly what the Western Price Foundation is and then tell us um, how you got involved in it and how you were drawn to it and why? Yeah, it's a mouthful to say Weston A. Price Foundation, and it sounds like some kind of, I don't know, long-established company from the 1800s, but honestly, <laughs> it's simply a group that Sally Fallon Morell set up in the late 1990s to promote real food, you know, kind of real healthy living. It, it's really based on the work of a dentist researcher, yes, from the 1930s. Uh-oh. Did we lose her for a second? Faces who looked hale and hearty. And he thought, I want to, first of all, see if these people really do exist with my own eyes. I want to meet them. And then I want to find out what they're eating because he had the feeling from his own research that there was a connection between the way we nourish our bodies and our overall health. And so he traveled the world and he learned so much. And so the Weston Price Foundation lifts up the principles that he found that the people groups around the world had in common that promote well-being. Great. Wow. That makes sense. And what what drew you to that foundation? Why did you get started with them? Well, I used to just teach exercise classes. I was like, it doesn't matter what you eat, just keep moving. You know, I was kind of a, <laughs> a gym rat, as they say, you know, just working out regularly and looking at other people and thinking, why don't they just work out more? Little did I know how important it is to really give your body the building blocks it needs to to attain good health. It's really not complicated. And our ancestors have the key to that, right? They lived long, healthy lives. If if their lives were cut short, it was because of a, you know, a bear ravaging them or, you know, maybe some sickness (laughs) they didn't know how to tend to, you know, and it was um, concerning. But generally, I think health is our body's default setting. And it wants to be healthy. And we just need to look at our environment, our food, even our relationships to see how they affect our health. But basically, I was working out, working out, working out, not giving food a second Mm -hmm. thought. And then a good friend of mine pointed me in their direction because she had chronic fatigue, which doctors Mm -hmm. today still don't know what causes that. And she ran into Sally Fallon Morell at some health fair. And she's like, Hilda, 
this woman is older, but she is glowing with health. And I got her book, Nourishing Traditions, and both of us kind of got started on, on modifying our diet. And I found an even greater level of health, which I'm so thankful for. That wow. book is just amazing. We, we've done a, um, a podcast on it uh, last year, and it's something that I got um, when I first heard about Western Price, and it has not left my side. And I don't have many books because I've moved a lot, but Nourishing Traditions is, is on the shelf and it's off the shelf in front of me so many times during the week because it is just an absolute glory of a book full of so much information and so much inspiration. Um, yes, and it's as really you know, nice. Alison... I think it was marketed as a, a cookbook, but it's so much more, oh, right? Sally yes. really gives a, a greater understanding of the nutrients that our bodies need. She kind of gives the science that goes with the ancient wisdom. It's it's just fabulous. And so we're so grateful that she established this group. And of course, now it has this Weston Price Foundation has chapters all over the world. So wherever people yeah. are, wherever you're listening right now, you can go to the westonaprice.org website and look for find a local chapter. And the reason I mention this is because sourcing real food is sometimes tricky and you might not have a farmer's market where you are. So mm. if you can find a chapter leader, their sole job is volunteers. And it's it's mine too, because as you mentioned, I'm a chapter leader. Our, our sole you know, task is to give you a list of places where you can find whole real foods. Mm-hmm. There might be someone yeah. near you and you just don't even know it yet. Absolutely. Yeah. About uh, those connections, Allison. like your friend told you, and we can keep passing that information on and make sure that as many people as want it can find it. Sorry, Andrea. Oh, no, you're good. Um, Allison and I, when we were talking about nourishing traditions the book Mm. we were saying it's literally a university education if you went through (laughs) and worked your way through that entire book the history and the anthropology that you would get from that and Allison and I have both chased down resources from the footnotes so many times and just found these insane things and sometimes there were we say, oh, it's all in French. We can't read it, you know, but <laughs> she, she really has her sources. I mean, oh my goodness. You could just read out of that book and her sources for the next hundred years. <laughs> I know, but I want to say something that a friend of mine, Tommy John, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a chiropractor from San Diego. Hmm. He says, there's no better book than experience. And the reason I bring this yeah. up is because you could read all that and be convinced or no, but when you start experiencing with your own body, what vibrant health feels like, it is transformative. Mm. Like when I was teaching all my exercise classes, I would kind of get shaky and sweaty in the middle of the workout because I would feel my blood sugar dip. And I thought, well, I guess I'm just one of those people that needs to eat really often. You know, I didn't really know what was up. I mean, Mm. I'd had a breakfast, but listen to what my breakfast was. It was some cereal with low fat milk and a few berries on it. And that could not sustain me. And when I changed my diet to have more protein and fat, more real food, I could soar. And now I can even fast. I could never do that before, Um, you know, for hours and hours and hours. It's just amazing. So my experience tells me that what I've read is true, you know, so I really want to encourage people to start listening as they listen to your podcast, as they dig into resources, test them out on yourself and see how it goes. So the wonderful thing about that experience is that all the guests that you've had on the Wise Traditions podcast have been through that. You know, they're coming at it from really a myriad different angles, you know, because you've covered so much ground. But everyone you talk to has experienced that, has lived it, has learned and has something to pass on. And I, you know, I was scrolling through the list of um, your podcasts this morning 
before um, before we came on. And I I remembered listening to some of them years back. And, oh, yeah, I remember that one. And just there's so many there. I wonder if you could kind of try to encapsulate what you've learned from being in contact and being able to question all of those people who have so much wisdom in their bodies. What have you taken from that? What have you learned? I think it's what I said just a moment ago, that health is our default setting. And also Mm. that our mindset and our spirit and our attitude and our interactions, all these things have to do with health as well. In other words, I'm grateful for the Weston Price Foundation. And I'm not sure I said this earlier, but their point is food farming and the healing arts. That's kind of their byline. Like we're about wise traditions in food farming and the healing arts. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot that falls under healing arts, but I guess I, I just was surprised to learn that things I was already doing, because I'm a, I'm a Christian, so I read the Bible, I have community, you know, I have these things that help me maintain a positive, hopeful attitude. I had no idea how important they were for my overall health. So I've interviewed Dr. Bruce Lipton, you know, and mm. um, Zach Bush and, and and you know, so many others, Tommy John, who suggest that our mindset even and our relationships and our emotions have a lot to do with our well-being as well. So I'm really thankful for that. And yes, I've, I've taken that and I've run with that and to the point where mm, I won't say I, I detox too much from people because I try to love everybody around me, <laughs> but I do... <laughs> I do take care to what I put into my mind and my spirit. So I'll just give you guys an example. I watched Mm -hmm. the news. I didn't really watch the news. I listened to the radio on the way home from work yesterday. I listened to the newscast and I was so despairing by the time I got home. I was like, you know, the things they were saying were alarming, fear inducing. Uh, They didn't Mm -hmm. give me any life or joy. And I just thought, gosh, I really have to be careful about what I let in my body and my mind. You know, I used to always avoid, for example, scary movies because I knew I didn't want to have those images sticking in my head. But even what we listen to, this is all part of our diet. So we really need to curate it for optimal health. Yeah, I totally agree. It's kind of what you let in, all those things have an influence on you. And the fact that there are you know, nearly 350 podcasts of people with positive attitudes and so much experience that people can just dive into whenever they want rather than listen to the news. I think that's, it's such inspiring, the body of work, so inspiring the body of work that you've created. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And and I guess because it was the least, latest one I put out, I keep thinking of Tommy John because the title of that podcast, Alison and Andrea, you probably both know, was You Heal You. And I love that. I love that so much. Isn't it so amazing? And it doesn't mean we don't obviously consult with people. Even Tommy John has Dr. Cassie Huckabee that he sees regularly, you know, and that's his choice. But the point is we have more power and energy and sovereignty over our bodies. We know them better than anybody else. And we can take charge of our health by implementing simple ancestral wisdom um, you know, so it's not complicated. We don't need to buy the latest, you know, green smoothie package or, or or the latest supplements. We can find ways to shore up our health naturally and and live that vibrant life that is kind of our our birthright. Yeah. That's powerful. Really. Andrea, back over to you. Have you got something for, <clears throat> for Hilda there? Okay. <laughs> Where do I begin? Okay. <laughs> um I was wondering, okay, I'm just going to jump to a very practical question because 
you know, we're saying, okay, you heal you, ah, you know, all these things, all these <laughs> ideas that I'm thinking about, you know, I'm just, I'm, <clears throat> Allison knows I'm always like very bread and buttery. <laughs> so I'm like, now I want to know what are some very just go-to things that you love to prepare in your kitchen that you would call your staples, maybe two, three, four things that you just rotate through all the time that you love to prepare. Okay. Um, well, I just want to say that when I got started, it, I was overwhelmed. That Nourishing Traditions book, yes. I love it. And mm. I also am like, <laughs> get away from me because you are too deep. There's too much stuff. I couldn't, I got overwhelmed. So I thought, where the heck do I start? I started with butter. So one thing is honestly, butter makes everything better. I, <laughs> right. It's just amazing. You can never have too much. Your body will be so satisfied. And um, the natural activators, if you will, the, the, you know, vitamin A, D, E, and K that are found in a lot of natural butters and cheeses and eggs, like these things are so nourishing that you can't overdo. As a matter of fact, I remember reading in probably nourishing traditions that the Chinese, when they want to maintain their pregnancy and, and give the fetus the best start ever, that little baby inside, they'll eat many, many eggs a day. And, yes. and you know, so there are things that we've been told to avoid that actually, um, mm our ancestors embraced. So butter is better. And so I, that was the first thing I did as I, I got rid of the country crock and the pseudo margarine <laughs> and all these things, which is such a crock, it's perfectly named. Um, and now everything is, is coated and slathered in butter. And it just, it's so good for our brains, our cells. It's just, we need the building blocks that those fat soluble activators have, you know, it, for our body. So anyway, so I just use butter liberally. Um, and especially if I'm going to have vegetables, I actually lean a little carnivore. That's not a, a foundation principle, but it's, it's one that I like. It's that the nutrient dense foods are often from animal products. So I eat a lot of meat and, and yes, yeah, seafood and eggs and cheeses and, and raw milk. I include these in my diet. And so as my friend Hillary Boynton says, simplicity is gourmet. So just yeah. get those basics in your kitchen. I don't want to throw out a lot of recipes, though I, I might do a little PDF on my website of my favorite things. But one dish I Yum. make, for example, is picadillo. Um, my dad is from Cuba. And so this kind of ground beef dish is uh, almost like a taco filling. It's just really ground beef with um, some olives and raisins. It tastes so good. So you get the little sweet taste of the raisins and the tartness of the olives and um, some tomato sauce and some spices, you know? And so it's really simple, but what I do that takes it to the next level is the ground beef that I use often has organ meats blended in. Mm -hmm. So this is a nice way to get the benefits of organ meat, um, you know, without trying to figure out, well, my kids eat liver, you know, and so I just often will get these blends. You can get them from Force of Nature, which is a company that I love in Austin, Texas, but also my Amish farmer will blend organ meats in their ground beef. So then you're just getting, yeah, all the nutrients that you might not get in just a serving of ground beef. So I love that. I saw picadillo as a go-to. Raw milk is a go-to. We have on our table all the time. We run out <laughs> of it and we were like, oh my gosh, we have to get more half gallons. <laughs> Is it more expensive? Yes. Then of course, anything you can get on the supermarket shelf, but it's worth it. You know, yeah, I it's, like a, it's a different food stuff that you're paying yes, for. It's not like the milk in the supermarket. Whole, we could do a whole episode on that. So anyway, yeah. 
I don't mean to go on and on, but yes, it's a living product. Whereas the stuff on the supermarket shelves is a dead product. So we yeah, love yeah. our raw milk, um, but picadillo is a go-to. Um, yeah, we often have bone broth, which I used to be really intimidated to make. And then some of my daughters, I have young adult daughters that live at home right now. They're the ones that got started. They're like, mom, you put the bones with some water <laughs> in the pot. It's not hard. But you know what? These things can seem foreign at first, yeah. right? We are removed yeah. from our grandparents. That's a thing too. Just one final note about community. Like, our ancestors lived together, connected. So they weren't all yeah. isolated in their own little yeah. boxes and worlds. You know, young moms say to me, how can I do this? Like, I've got to do the laundry. I've got to care for the kids. I was like, oh my gosh, they shouldn't have to do it all alone. And the olden days, a, a grandmother would hold the baby while the mom cooked or vice yeah. versa. Mm. So there was a community feeling and support. So you wouldn't have to do it all yourself. So I, yeah. I feel like we're missing that now, but what we can do is the best we can do. And yes, find community and our family with my young adult kids, especially we take turns making meals and we, we look for ways to, you know, support each other in our lives, but it's, it's tough out there. So do what you can to, you know, eat the most nutrient rich diet you can for yourself and your children. But just remember, it doesn't have to be fancy. A good steak, when we get steak or pork chops from our farm, we literally just add salt and, and, cook it and maybe in some lard or bacon grease. And it's like amazing. You feel like you've been transported to heaven. You know, the, mm. the real nutrient dense products on the table the test. don't need yeah. a lot of embellishment. Yeah. Yeah. That's the test. Truly. Absolutely yeah, thank you. True. I think it, I remember out, reading. Oh, no, I think I remember reading that <laughs> in nourishing traditions about the eggs. I think it was in Japan. She said that the pregnant women would eat as many as eight eggs in a day or something like that. Yes. And I was, I was just like, wow. And so when I was um, pregnant with my first, I was like, eggs. <laughs> ah. When you're breastfeeding a baby, yeah, it's amazing how much you can put away. <laughs> and also if you are on a budget, like eggs, they're a great food. Yeah. And yeah. I'm pretty sure they have, yeah, they have a lot of trace nutrients like they do. Yeah, and other such that that just make them amazing. Plus, they taste great. So go for it. Indulge your cravings, especially <laughs> when you're craving nutrient dense foods. So, what about outside the kitchen, Hilda? What things have you taken from the podcast guests that you've implemented in your own life, in your kind of ancestral lifestyle outside of food? Well, literally, it is outside. It is going outside. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I was just busy, you know, as a young mom with my kiddos. And I, so we had to feed them breakfast, right? I'd take them to school. I would go to the gym or wherever I was going to teach an exercise class. I'd go buy groceries. I'd come home. I'd pick them up. And, you know, I was in the car, but I was hardly outside except between the car and my buildings I was going to. It was crazy. And now I realize like it helps on so many levels to literally the plants emit what we need. You know, they emit, um, you know, I guess they emit the oxygen, right? When they take in the carbon dioxide, like it's amazing the way that works. And so not just that, but for the spirit, it lowers our cortisol levels. So we feel less stressed mm -hmm. when we're in nature and it really helps our spirit. It boosts your mood, all these things. This is why in Japan, again, they actually will give you the prescription of forest bathing because mm -hmm. it does you so much good. So I get outside. That's one thing I do that I didn't used to do. I'm very intentional mm -hmm. every day. And then I also get the sunrise. And that's something I learned from my biohacker friend, Thaddeus Owen. He's known as the primal hacker. I also have interviewed Matt Maruka on the power of sunshine and 
That Others interview was do. so good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dewey Lehman, he says, we need natural light, not junk light. I mean, it's been fascinating. And so my husband, I have to tell you, he was a skeptic. He's like, Hilda, you're a night owl. You're getting <laughs> sunrise right now, but you're not going to keep it up. But I got addicted and my body, what happened was my body started syncing with nature's rhythm. So my circadian rhythm got on point, which means I wake up without an alarm. I go out and see the sun. First thing I do sunrise before screen rise. And so I'm sleepier at the right time at night because my body is in sync. And so I get more profound sleep. It's restorative. I mean, it's amazing. So yes, the things I've learned from my guests that I've applied are many, but they include getting the sun, prioritizing sleep, And the third thing I'll mention is what I like to call shivers, because I like the alliteration of sun, sleep, and shivers. Um, (laughs) But I do take advantage of the cold weather um, to challenge my body. Just like when you work out with weights, you can challenge yourself by exposing yourself to the cold. Um, You know, with one less layer, I do a shiver walk pretty much every day too. Today, you guys, it was below freezing. And so that that means I wasn't out there half an hour, Um, but I did some time in just my tank top and shorts. And what's nice is, it does do things that lengthens your telomeres so you can have a longer life. It boosts your metabolism and, and your fat burning and all these things, but it also builds your mental and emotional resilience. So when I'm comfortable in an uncomfortable situation, which our whole world right now is under, for example, it mm-hmm. helps me know I'm going to get through it. And it really helps my mindset. So I just love these simple things that I do beyond food that really help me on so many levels. And, and I would encourage people to listen to the podcast to, to learn more about it themselves. And again, experiment, you know, kids naturally want to be outside and they'll rip off your jacket and you're like, no, it's cold. And they're like, I'm great, mom, I'm fine. Right. So it's like, let's imitate yes. them. And we will actually, our bodies will actually build more bro, sorry, more brown fat, just like what the kids have, which makes them able to withstand the cold easier. And so it's just a beautiful thing. You become more playful and you learn to have fun in the challenge. And how long did it take? (laughs) Should Should I go, Andrea? Yeah, go, go. How long did it take your body to adjust to those changes you know so you were talking about the light and the circadian rhythms and how then Mm. you kind of swapped from being a night owl to someone who right when it's dark you're tired how long did it take your body to make those changes and to adjust to the cold as well yeah oh great question I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before I believe it was two weeks of getting the sunrise that I just couldn't stop after that. And that was what my friend challenged me to. He's just do two weeks, two two weeks. Oh, he knew. (laughs) He did know. He did know. The other thing that I started implementing was avoiding screens at night because Mm. once the sun goes down, our ancestors would maybe have fire, but they wouldn't have the blue light, which interferes Mm. with our melatonin production and release. And so I used to get on my computer at night once the kids are in bed. I'm like, okay, I'm working part-time. I better do some emails. You know how it goes. Um, Or just kind of for downtime, watch something on TV. I didn't realize that that light was interfering with my body's hormonal function and production. So I would then get a second wind and, oh, I guess I'll do laundry now. And I just thought I was super mom, not realizing, oh, no, (laughs) it's the light that's making me confused. So now at night... I'll often wear blue blockers or I'll avoid screens altogether. And then I'm more ready for bed at the right time. And so that transition probably took a little longer to to changing my nighttime light habits. But um, I would say within just a couple months, I got into that. And then with the cold, um, 
<laughs> I went a little extreme. A friend invited me, actually Thaddeus Owen, the primal hacker, invited me out to Wisconsin to some retreat called Fire and Ice. And it was a lot more ice than fire. So I have to talk to Thaddeus <laughs> about that. But we literally <laughs> jumped in an ice hole and you would think, oh my gosh, like that's so scary. Yes, but you guys, you don't just jump in. Like you prepare yourself. You do breath work. You, mm-hmm. um, you know, prepare your mind and really I started flipping it. So even this morning when I was getting this cold breeze, I was thinking to myself, oh, this is invigorating. This is exhilarating. And when you start telling yourself that it becomes that, you know, when you're on a roller coaster, you scream, you're scared, but you're also (laughs) excited, right? So it's like, we just need to embrace the excitement. And I would also say, especially with cold therapy to take it slow, like you don't have to take it slow with getting the sunrise or with going to bed with, you know, with blue blockers before bed, but you do with this because you don't want to hurt yourself. So I started with just doing some shiver walks and then I started doing more extreme stuff and um, playing around with it. But I don't stay in, I do have a cold plunge tub too. Now I'm taking it to the next level as well, but I don't stay in longer than, you know, three to five minutes because I'm not trying to hurt myself. I want that kind of hormetic stress that you get from working out. It's just Mm -hmm. enough to strengthen your body, but not so much that you damage it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really uh, good advice. Just that, you know, these things, if you just do a little bit, it does make a difference, you know. And with the light, you just do it for two weeks, things change. And slowly, slowly, you don't have to jump in the deep end, whether it's ice water or not. You can do these <laughs> things little by little. That's exactly right. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Do you think you would uh, be able to do those things, you know, the cold plunges and things like that, if you were eating, you know, the standard American low fat processed food diet, or do you feel like you need those good foods and nutrients and the fats in you to make your body tolerant of it? That's a great question. I actually think, I think mm, I'm conflicted. That's why I'm pausing because, um, Jack Cruz, who is a doctor, uh, neurosurgeon, who's big in this quantum health space, who's introduced some of these concepts too, about getting more sunlight and using cold therapy to help the body heal. He says that the food doesn't really matter, but Hmm. I've seen what he eats and he eats really well. So (laughs) what I mean by that is he says it doesn't matter. He likes to kind of shock people, people matter. Just get the sunshine out in the cold. But I think it's, (laughs) so I would say, um, I would try, you know, add butter and then go for it. (laughs) It's not like they always say, Rich, rich people always say money doesn't matter, but that's because they're rich. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've seen you, Jack Cruz. I, I actually love him. I admire him very much, but he eats a diet rich in seafood. And I will say this, um, Dr. Weston A. Price, who traveled the world that I mentioned earlier, found he was also able to examine skulls, believe it or not, that he found in some ransacked tombs in Peru. It's crazy. <laughs> and The skulls, by the way, showed two things. They showed a beautiful formation of the face. So the full expression of health, uh, room for all the teeth in the jaw and um, wide nasal passages. And these are the, again, the birthright that we've gotten away from. If you look at people just walking down the street, you'll see a lot of narrow faces Mm -hmm. and pinched noses. And that's not where we're supposed to be. That's not just a genetic thing. That's the result of poor nutrition, really. Um, But that can be reversed. And he noted this in his book, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. Um, But what Dr. Price also noticed, I'll go back to that, when he examined the skulls was that there were thicker skulls among those who ate a more seafood-rich diet. 
So I have transitioned a little bit in that direction to trying to include more seafood in my diet. Again, it doesn't have to be fancy, uh, but just looking to have more shrimp in my fried rice, which I make with, um, oh my gosh, the secret of fried rice I've realized is cooking the, after the rice has been cooked, you know, sauteing it in bacon grease. It's so ridiculous. Ooh, Absolutely. And then toss in a few vegetables and whatnot. Everything's great in bacon grease and butter, of yes. course. Um, but so, um, yeah, I've started including more seafood. I wasn't raised eating a lot of seafood, so I, I had to get accustomed with it. So I started with a crab and the shrimp and now and then I'll have the salmon and different things. But yeah, including that really, I think is excellent, excellent for the body as well. I think mm. that you talked about, I, I feel like I actually heard that about creating or, you know, getting back more of the brown fat cells on your podcast. Did you interview somebody and talk about that? Cause I think that's where I heard that. Yeah, it might have been Thaddeus. Yeah, I think we called yeah. it uh, biohacking your health. Yes. Um, yes. That was the first one that really got me thinking, you know, I was like, man, I, I better do this. I better try this. He said, we're all too comfortable. So again, you were asking Allison outside of food, what do I do? I, hmm. I embrace discomfort, especially temperature wise, you know, like we, we are in our cars that are heated and our homes that are heated in the winter and our cars and our homes that are cooled in the summer. You know, it's like, no, why don't we expose ourselves to this, these temperature fluctuations and make our bodies work to keep us warm, to keep our core temperature consistent. And I think it's a, a great, uh, again, hormetic stressor that can benefit us in the long run. I think it's something that, you know, we would have had routinely just 100 years ago. I'm reading a book at the moment about um, Italian food ways of women who are like 90 years old getting on for 100. And they all talk about how there was no heating in the house. And at nighttime in the winter, they used to go and sleep with the animals because that was just kept them like a couple of degrees warmer. And they worked all day in the fields, you know, so they moved, they moved in the cold, and they lived without heating. And it's really only the last 100 years, even less than that, perhaps, that we've had all this comfort around us. And we're not designed we're not evolved to be in that comfort we're designed to be out in the world as it is you know so it, it's going backwards to go forwards really absolutely and um someone i'm just getting to know a little bit uh wrote a book called there is no such thing as bad weather so it oh, is yeah. good to have you heard of that? I think, so no, I, I think I would, you, you posted about it or something. I might you? have. I did, actually. <laughs> wow, you really did follow me closely. Um, but I'm excited about that, especially for young moms, because I feel like get your kids embracing every single kind of weather. You know, it's the Waldorf school philosophy. We're going outside, rain or shine. And, uh-huh. and why do we call the weather bad? No, it's good. So let's embrace it and let's get out into it. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Allison. Okay. Can I ask yeah. a question? <laughs> yeah, you can go. I was I was leaving a space for you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, so so Hilda, you are as I learned this now after we started chatting um, a couple of weeks ago that you do podcast coaching and stuff like that. So obviously, you've got a lot of podcasting experience under your belt, which has me itching to ask you. Can you tell us? <laughs> just tell us about like, do you have a wild or crazy or funny podcasting experience that? we could just all enjoy hearing about? Oh, that's a great, great question. Um, Well, I will just say I have learned through the school of hard knocks. (laughs) (laughs) Not every episode uh, turned out amazing and I've had my mistakes, especially early on. So um, 
I'm thinking of a time when I interviewed farmer Jesse Strait. He has a farm in Virginia called Whiffletree Farm. And he's a guy who went to UVA. I think he was even like a philosophy major. But he just thought, I want to have a life of integrity. And he didn't just mean of moral rectitude. He meant, I want to have my work and my home and everything be of a piece, you know? And so he realized how disjointed it could be. And I think he read some Wendell Berry books or something. And he's like, I'm going to be a farmer and I want to do it in this regenerative agricultural model that Joel Salatin and so many others now embrace. That's good for the soil, good for the animals and good for our family. Mm -hmm. And so I was so excited to talk to him and I brought my little gear along and I interviewed him. And then you guys, I got home and I pushed play and I heard the whole time. And I was like, no, I must've pushed the wrong button. And I was so embarrassed and sad. I mean, Jesse lives in Virginia. I was like, how am I going to work this out? But (laughs) you know, these things happen. Another time I posted an episode, I think it was with Nina Teicholz who wrote uh, the big fat surprise. And, you know, she was just also a regular journalist, I guess, in the food space. And she started understanding and learning that real fats, especially saturated fats are good for you. Like lard and butter and tallow and, and, you know, of course all our lives and, you know, even just 10 years ago, I don't know what's happening out there now. Cause I don't pay that much attention sometimes now. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I found what's good. I'm sticking with it. But, um, you know, there's this low fat has been promoted and these alternative fats. And so she wrote this book, the big fat surprise. And I interviewed her and it went great. And, and I posted it and someone's like, unless Nina has transitioned to a man, like you got the wrong audio on here. (laughs) And it's true. I had like mixed up the audio and posted some other interview with some man. And they're like, unless she has a beard. And I was like, ah, (laughs) some listener pointed it out. But what I've come to realize is this, you know, no mistake is too far gone. You can, you can always (laughs) go back and fix it, you know, and if not, so be it. It wasn't meant to be, you know, that's the favorite thing I love about podcasting is really, And not only are there no mistakes because you can repair things quite easily, but there are no rules. So your podcast can be as long or as short as you want. It Mm. can, you know, be a solo cast where it's just the two of you chatting or you can have guests. Like, I just love that. And you can do seasons. This is one thing I didn't know that I, that I'm a big fan of now is that you can say, you know what, we're going to take a break this summer and say, that's the end of season one, you guys. And then we'll pick it up in the fall. And just, especially when you've got your family and you've got other demands and it's, a hobby and not yet a jobby, (laughs) Um, you know, do it as you will. And so that's why I'm really happy that a lot of people are getting into the space. And I don't think this is the last thing I'll say about podcasting, but I get excited about it. As you see, I don't think it's um, a saturated space, you know, in some marketing terms, I think sometimes they call it a red ocean where like there's all these sharks and fish in there and they're all competing with one another and certain markets can get saturated and it's only blue ocean when it's like wide open. I think it's still blue ocean because just like, you know, Justin Bieber would never say, I'm not going to do a love song because Taylor Swift or Selena Gomez already (laughs) did one. He would never say that. He would still get his love songs out. I feel like everybody has their unique way of communicating and, and an audience. So go for it. And that's why I'm really glad you guys started this podcast. Thank you. We're having a ton of fun with it. And yeah, we've had our... (laughs) our moments as well. It was really, (laughs) really encouraging when I first reached out to you about podcasting and you listened to the little snippet of ours and I was panicking because there was some like audio glitches on it. And you said, listen, if the content is good, the audience will stay. And I was just so encouraged by that because, um, 
that has proven true that that very episode that had the audio glitches is our number one most downloaded episode. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, and you so know you were my, right. <laughs> well, remember mine. I think early on it sounded like I was in a bathroom. You know, it just didn't sound good. And then I had that weird music, which at first I thought was cute, and then it started grating on my ne- nerves, you know. And so it's like, yeah, people will hang through, especially if your stuff is good. And of course it is. Yeah. Do, do you know that Allison's husband actually wrote and then performed the music that we have for our intro? No, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, he's very talented and he does all our mixing and and everything. He's brilliant. We're great. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Without him, it'd just be me and Allison talking together on Zoom. <laughs> so Okay, so I, I have I have one more question for you then, and then I'll throw it back and let Allison um, wrap us up. So you talk to everybody, um, you know, you you hear all the different voices, you gather the information from all these different people in the sphere, and I guess what I really want to ask you is, do you do you feel like there's hope for the future? Are we on an inevitable downward spiral with no escape, or do you feel like there's, um, you know, you've been podcasting since 2016 and, and I just finished reading one of Joel's books, Pastored Poultry Prophets, but I read an edition that he published in 1993 and I can see the differences, both positive and negative since then. So I guess what I'm asking is you've been doing this for a minute. You've talked to all the people. Do you have hope for the future or can we not get out of this, of this trap we're in? Oh, absolutely. And you know where the hope is, Andrea, it's in you and Allison, but not just in the two of you, it's in every single person that is opening their eyes to how to nourish themselves and the next generation well. Um, Because again, I'm referring to more than just diet, right? It's what, what feeds your spirit, where you find joy, your connection with nature, your connection with others, um, love, you know, respect, all those things. So I do find hope in that because if it were just, you know, one person, we could be in trouble, (laughs) but it's not. And I also find hope in, in the butterfly analogy that Bruce Lipton has mentioned to me before, that if we were all cells in a caterpillar and we were in the chrysalis in that cocoon and we saw the walls closing in, we could either freak out or we could put our energy into the transformation and then Mm -hmm come out into the butterfly. And right now we're exactly in that moment where we can freak out that, oh my gosh, there's toxins in the air and in our food and in the water and all these things are true. But why am I not freaking out? Because I do believe that enough of us know that there is a way out and we know how to detox. We know how to stay hopeful even. We know how to nourish ourselves well. And so we are going to be that beautiful transformed butterfly that is going to fly freely. That's why I have hope. That's really, that's a really nice analogy. I've not heard um, Bruce Lipton Mm -hmm. say that before. Thank you for sharing it. I feel like um, all the other people that I've listened to, whether, you know, foodies or spiritual teachers, have the the thread that I've got from them is the ones that are taking action feel like there's hope. The ones that are doing things and um, 
not just sitting complaining about it on the sofa, but actually taking action in their life and making changes, whether they be small things just in their kitchen or whether they be out talking to thousands of people. Those are the ones who feel hope and those are the ones who feel optimistic. And that fits with your analogy so well, with that analogy from Bruce Lipton so well, that, you know, it's the inside that chrysalis, those people who are who are actually doing something to make that transformation happen, they yes. can see what's happening and they can see the change. Yes, and thank you for pointing out that it, whether you're speaking to a thousand people or making one change for your family's dinner, like that, they're both important. You just have to fulfill the the role, your purpose in this life. You know, don't get discouraged if you think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, gosh, I'm only changing butter right now. That's fine. It, it was a year. You didn't ask me, or maybe I didn't answer this. It took me a year to overhaul my family's diet. I, or maybe I just took it year by year. It was like butter was one year. The next year was avoiding processed foods. You know, it was like, it took some time to get us where we are now, but I'm, I'm thankful we took a step, right? And so that's where you need to begin is just right in your own backyard. Yeah. Amen to that. Andrea, can I, can I ask my final question? Are you... <laughs> Yes, and and should we ask um, also where where we can find Hilda? Oh online? yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that afterwards. Yeah. So okay, let perfect. me ask my final question, which is um, something that both Andrew and I agreed on as our final question. <laughs> um, we've yeah. listened to so many episodes of your podcast, and always at the end, you ask your guests, "What is the one thing? If you know there was just one thing that the listener could do to move forward and to make the change that they want to, what what would it be?" So. We put that question to you. What do you think that our listeners could do if they could just do one thing to make a change? I'm really moved that you asked me that. And I'm surprised that I forgot to think about what I would, <laughs> what I might say. Now I feel like the guests are always like, hey, what am I going to say? Because there are so many things. Um, I think I really want each person, the one thing they could do I would say is to adopt a learning posture. If I think I know it all and close myself off to any new information or a new experience, then I'm I, I'm no longer growing. I'm like a flower that's starting to wither, you know? So I really recommend that people adopt that learning posture. You know, I've applied so much more than I even said on the show of the things I've learned from my guests, not because... I'm obsessed, although my husband thinks I am, but, um, but because I'm ready, I'm, I'm open. I want to change and learn and grow. So adopt that posture of a learner. And maybe step one for that would be, you know, being still every day. This is not easy for us mm. doers, but I, I do take time to journal. I journal thoughts of gratitude. I, I pray to God. I do things that keep me still before I take action in the day um, that kind of centers and grounds me. And then I have an open posture. What, what, you know, God might have for me in the day, what I might learn from someone else, because everyone knows something that you don't, you know, so do, you know, keep listening to Ancestral Kitchen podcast, keep, keep growing and learning, but listen to your child who has something to say that you might not have realized before, you know, there's, there's always something to learn in every moment of every day. And there's, there's beauty in everyone and everywhere. So stay open to it. That's what I would suggest. Thank you. That's I a beautiful that. way to, to round up our conversation. Can you um, let our listeners know where they can find you on the different platforms? Absolutely. So I've got my website, holistichilda.com. And on there, I do have a free PDF 
um, that suggests three ways people can boost their health anytime. And they include some of these things beyond food that we were talking about today, Allison. Mm. So holistichilda.com. I'm holistichilda on Instagram and Telegram and on the Wise Traditions podcast, of course. Yeah. Definitely dive into our traditions. There are so many episodes there. Once you go down that list and start looking at them, you'll be downloading them all, yeah. overloading your computer and your time with them. But <laughs> they um, they have some really um, interesting, informative um, and joyful messages in, mm-hmm. in each one. So I, we, both of us would totally recommend it. Andrea, is there anything you want to um, finish with before we say goodbye to Hilda? No. (laughs) Well, um, when you talked about listening to the news, Hilda, and you said how it just made you feel like so, you know, down and stressed. And I was thinking about how your podcast has been for a long time, one that I've listened to when I just need to feel like there's Mm -hmm. still hope for the future. And listening to your podcast is the opposite of the news for me. It just makes me feel encouraged and I'm not alone. And there's other people doing this and I, I honestly think the episode that you did on kefir is like my favorite of them all. <laughs> that one was so good. I've listened to it so many times, huh. but you have so many great episodes on there. So if somebody is just feeling like I'm alone, I'm an island. Nobody cares about this. I'm the only one not eating country crock, you know, go listen to that <laughs> podcast and, and you'll just feel elevated and inspired. Oh, I'm so glad you too, because that's exactly what I like to do. I love to bring light and love and warmth and, you know, hope to folks. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, that's that means we're hitting the mark. And I know you all are doing the same thing with just reminding people they're not alone. And I'm so grateful. We're grateful Thank you, too. Hilda, Thank for you. coming on and joining us today and giving us your time and sharing all of this awesomeness with us and our listeners. My pleasure. Thank you, Andrea and Allison. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram, Andrea's at Farm and Hearth and Allison's at Ancestral underscore Kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen. Bye.